If I could describe to get my life toward in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanca. the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanco, and I am so excited for this stop on the tour. Let me tell you something. If this is your first time tuning in, I am so grateful to have you in the space and on tour with me because we have had an incredible journey thus far. I cannot believe this is already stop 11 on the mm-hmm. tour, episode 11. And I have a very very special guest with me today. So a conversation that started in Texas is now one that is being held here in New York. She is in Queens, from Queens, always repping Queens. (laughs) (laughs) And I am in Harlem holding down the fort. Without further ado, I have Miss Elise Patterson, who is the creator of 131st, Hype Girl Threads, and the introverted CEO, Elise Patterson. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lydia, for that introduction. I feel like a superstar. Just little old me, but yes, thank you so, so much. I'm so happy to be here. You are a superstar. You most definitely are. So, you know, in full disclosure, mm-hmm. Elise and I work together. I never tell people about like my work, Elise. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a journalist and all this other stuff. But we work together. We work hard together. Mm-hmm. Elise is a what would you say? Like, are you like an events connoisseur? Are you you're an you're an events yeah. expert. Yeah, you know, I, I tell people that I'm in events and logistics. A specialist, you know, I am an events professional. Yes, you are. So, um, you know, that means if you have any, you know, questions about how to run an event, what a successful event looks like, how it should, how you should start planning it, to me about that. (laughs) Most definitely. In your own words, because I called you a superstar already, people are like, okay, (laughs) so Lydia's saying she's a superstar. It must be true. And it is not only because I'm saying it, that is true, but it is. Um, In your own words, tell us who Elise is. Oh, and it's so funny. This, interestingly enough, is probably one of the hardest questions for me to answer because I feel like I try so hard to be open-minded about, you know, my experiences and letting them shape me and, you know, taking parts of um, what I experience and and having, you know, being able to let that sort of define me and, you know, pull out the parts of me that, you know, um, I want to represent me outwardly. But, you know, I guess at heart, you know, I'm a, I'm an around the way girl, you know, so, well, <laughs> so, so cool. Queen. Out, you know, I'm a queen. So you know, queen. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm an around the way girl, which is interesting because like, what does that mean? Is it a hood chick? Is it, you know, just, but for, to me, it's like, I'm, 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 you know, the girl next door. I'm pretty much to, you know, to myself, generally speaking, I have a really cool, you know, strong um, sense of family. Um, I keep a really tight circle. Um, but, I, you know, I, I kind of see myself a little bit like a little bit of Gina Waters with a little splash of Sinead A. Jenkins, just like a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so you know, hip hop, like... too. So <laughs> hip hop. You all, if you don't That's know like... this. OK, so I'm so excited. I'm talking over you and I apologize. It's so okay. 131st. 
mm-hmm. and Hype Girl Threads are both yes. apparel companies. Yes. And they are both odes, to me at least, to hip-hop and your love yes. for hip-hop. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me more about that as an entrepreneur. And then I'm going to tell people what we're going to be talking about because we're having so good of a time that I haven't even introduced the topic <laughs> of discussion yet. But that's fine because my audience rocks with me and now they rock with you. So tell us more about 131st and Hype Girl Threads. Yeah, so um, so the street that I live on is 131st Street in, in Queens. And um, when I first started, decided to um, dabble in, you know, apparel design, it, I wanted it to speak really to um, people who are like me from communities like mine, which is, you know, which is, is, is varied. You know, the type of person that lives in the neighborhood and, you know, neighborhoods like it to have different different interests. Um, they're not all the same, but the, the community, you know, the neighborhood, which is sort of the online community that I'm trying to build around 131st, um, has uh, we have I, I want to say. Um, there are there are certain things that speak to us all, even though we may be different. And a lot of that, you know, those commonalities come from, you know, living in an urban community and in a lot of ways from hip hop and, you know, um, rap culture. So the clothes sort of speaks to that. So you get a lot of, you know, puns around hip hop and puns around, you know, growing up in the neighborhood and, and things of that nature. So 131st is, you know, more geared towards everybody mm-hmm. um, sort in that community or who finds, you know, commonalities with um, me and, you know, 131st as a brand. And then Hype Girl Threads is sort of an offshoot of that because it's really geared towards women um, who love hip hop. So those those uh, those designs really speak more towards um, women and things that they would find interesting um, to wear and um to express themselves as hip hop fans and lovers of hip hop music. So let me tell you all a little story. Elisa and I were in North Carolina and I met her sister-in-law for the first time. And I was like, how, how is it possible that y'all look like you all are sisters? <laughs> right. And they look like salt and salt, not salt and pepper. Right? <laughs> well, I was like, y'all are so hip hop. It makes no sense. And I absolutely love it. Like if any hip hop icon were to see her and her sister-in-law, they would most definitely be like, okay, so what do you do and how can we do it together? That's how hip hop they are. But you know what? Um, enough about the hip hop, right? Right, right. Because <laughs> you get me so excited. I'm like, okay, so should we talk about hip hop now? Okay, no, we're right, not. We Even though I'm a rapper and my Another album show. comes out every June hey. 30, 30, you know what I'm saying? I got bars, hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> right when it comes to me, my rap career, I feel like Dylon from making the band. Like, who's Listen. your favorite rapper? Lydia, Lydia, <laughs> Lydia, Lydia, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. But you know what? I am so glad I have you here on the Get My Life Tour because we had a very real conversation, as I alluded to earlier, in Austin, and we were having breakfast after working hard, like we always do. And we started talking about life. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And the conversation that we were having was about, you know, womanhood and relationships and what we thought, you know, our relationships will look like and that journey to partnership, really. Right. And the insertion Mm -hmm. of, you know, children who we may not bear from our own wombs. 
And you have an incredible story, an incredible journey. And that is why I had to have you here on the Get My Life Tour, because there are so many women who listen to this podcast, men too. And we think that our lives are going to be one way because of how hard we work, the experiences we've had, how well we've listened and applied certain things to our lives um, in hopes that relationally it would be what we want it to be, you know, ideally, right? Um, so based on that conversation, I I learned that you have a bonus child, which is so dope to me. I think nowadays the perception around um, stepchildren and bonus children is a little bit more accepting, right? I think yeah. when people think about like this whole baby mama, baby daddy culture that was created in what the early 90s, the kids who um, are born become some kind of issue to people, right? Like, oh, I don't want no mm-hmm. man with a kid. And I know for so long, at least, I have been like, I don't, I'm really not interested in men with children because blah, 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 blah. And I remember being in college and men had kids already. It's like, dang, really? Okay, you was getting it young. Okay, well, I see you. <laughs> um, and now at 30, I'm like, it seems like most men come with children unless they're extremely ambitious and, you know, mm-hmm. are going for what they want or they don't know what mm-hmm. they want. So they're like, mm, I don't think I want kids either. You're like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Right. But, oh my goodness, I'm excited to have this conversation. So, you know, I have all these questions um, outlined for you. But, you know, my first question I have, you know, is, you know, growing up, what was your idea of an ideal relationship? So it's very interesting. Um, You know, I was kind of thinking through some of these questions. Um, When I was younger, uh, we didn't, I didn't have, that many uh, model relationships to to um, base my decisions or at least strive, you know, for. Um, my parents were married up until I was about nine or so, and then my they um, separated. My father moved out, um, and and my dad was. I, I'm an army brat, so my dad was, you know, all over. You know, not to say that he wasn't present in my life, but. It wasn't like, you know, we had family dinners and, you know, mm-hmm. they were married, but there was still a, a, a bit of, you know, distance um, even within that structure. Um, I don't recall, like, I, I don't recall, you know, family dinners and, you know, having, you know, uh, uh, conversations with both parents. And, you know, I just, I feel like I had time with my mom and time with my dad. And, you know, my grandparents, my grandparents were together, but, you know, my, my grandfather was sick and, and my grandmother, you know, he was in a home. So there was still, there was a lot of distance. All of, I have tons of cousins and, 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 um, extended family but again there weren't many marriages like when I got married I became like one of three of my whole family um so there weren't a lot of relationships that I would look at as model relationships and you know so much of my experience with you know developing a relationship and communicating and all of those things were pretty much you know trial and error like you know Mm self-taught um and, you know, my relationship, my model relationship were probably like many other people, you know, growing up when we did, you know, the, the Huxtables and, you know, um, Martin and Gina, even though that relationship was totally dysfunctional. But, <laughs> you know, that, you know, those relationships you see on TV became more so like, you know, what you what you expected to have uh, mm-hmm. you know, your relationship look like. Yeah. So even though you didn't have any examples or well, you didn't have many examples right in the home. 
Mm-hmm. What was your ideal relationship? Like if you could, like, I don't know if you had fairy tale, but what was it like that you were looking for? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I, I always wanted to, like, I never envisioned myself as somebody's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, I always saw myself as a mom and in, in relationships with, as far as like, uh, choosing a me and my, what my life partner would be. I always, you know, wanted to be with someone who was really funny, someone who made me laugh, and like someone who, you know, had a good relationship with their their mom and their family. So, you know, because it to me was like an indicator of how they treat women. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were things like that that I thought would would be key indicators for me as to whether or not this would be a good relationship to be in. But ideally, you know. I guess I just wanted to be with somebody who made me feel secure, made me feel protected, um, and, and obviously loved. But I, um, I never really put standards or set real goals for for my partner outside of those those things. Like I want him to treat me like this, or you know, I want him to um, to be able to, to, to be able to laugh at a lot of things and, um, together and, you know, have, you know, things in common, but I never, you know, my relationship, I never spent a lot of time idealizing, um, Mm -hmm. a relationship. I kind of more, you know, go with the flow. Okay. So with that being said, did you have a list at all? Like, have you ever created a list of like attributions? Like a lot of women have been telling me like, Lydia, I know you, you out here talking about where he at though, but Mm -hmm. you like, and I'm praying for my husband, my partner. And I have honestly created a list. I feel like at one point in college, I had some kind of list, but it really was like, who, Lydia sitting around, who are you? Okay. (laughs) Um, So I was getting my life then as well, but I now have like a, like a real list of who I would like for my husband to be. And I pray over that. Did you Mm -hmm. have um, that experience at all or any shape or form of that? Um, Not before. So I, before my husband and I started dating, I was in a very long um, term relationship. And it wasn't really until after that relationship ended when I really started to think about what the qualities of my husband needed to be. Mm. Um, and I think it's because prior to that, you know, I grew up, um, my, my family or the people that I spent uh, most of my time with, it's, I want to say 85% men of all different shapes and sizes, like personalities, et cetera. And, Sitting, being in um, a a part of a household like that or a part of a family unit like that, I've always found myself kind of, you know, adjusting and adapting. And a lot in my in my previous relationship, it was that, too. Like, I, I feel like as part of making, you know, men feel comfortable with who they are, for me, it meant like adjusting in a way that helped them, you know, feel strong and and and, and, and valuable and I think because of the way that I manage relationships, a lot of my prior relationships prior to this mm-hmm. one, it, there was a lot of giving on my part. Mm. So, like, if there was something about you that I liked and something about you that spoke to me, I I hold I held on to that. And then it was a lot of, you know, becoming what I needed to be in the relationship wow. in, in order to be in the relationship. Wait, wait, wait. We're not going we're not going to just glance <laughs> over that. <laughs> you know what? So many things take form 
relationally based on how we think we need to shape ourselves. And that may not be the best thing for us individually. Absolutely. How, oh my goodness. So you identified that, right? Was Mm -hmm. that something that you realized was like a part of your strategy or were you just doing that subconsciously given like you, like you said, the men who you were raised around, like where did that come from? And like, how did that, you know, Oh my goodness. How did that hurt or help you along the way? So I would say what right now, the way I look at it is not so much as a hurt or help. Like I just feel like, you know, along this, journey of life you know there aren't any real wrong turns you just learn from everything that you do Mm. I think that you know looking back on it it was definitely subconscious like I didn't make the decision to sort of be whatever you needed me to be but I feel like it's in my nature to to want to help people in general and with especially with the people that I love, people that I'm in relationships with. Mm -hmm. So when, and very rarely, you know, in our community, especially you have men that are whole all the, you know, Mm. they come and they have whatever the issue may be. They, they bring that with them into the relationship and me acknowledging that, especially, you know, the variety of issues that I've seen in my family and within my friend circle, I, I, feel like I identify with the men in, that I'm in relationships with, identify their issues and want to help make them whole. And what that meant for me was that I had to, or at least that I wanted to, you know, be what they needed to be more so than be what I am. Mm. And in, in the relationship, you know, that helped that, that was helpful because they were supported and they felt, you know, um, they felt like they could be open and communicative and all of that is good. But for me, it left me not having one, not really knowing who, who I am truly. And then two, becoming second Um, and being second for the relationship, because it's kind of the place that I put myself in. So now Whatever my needs are, inevitably take a back seat. Um, and I'm just sort of existing in the relationship as, you know, something that we sort of get to once we're done, you know, the work with him. Um, and it also, you know, it. so I guess, you know, it, it was helpful in in learning, I guess, what I need, what 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 my partner needed to make the relationship work and it helped me I feel like learn a lot about men um as I would move you know from maybe relationship to relationship um but as far as you know me feeling you know um like I'm getting what I need out of relationship um even even as far as identifying that you know that didn't come until way later in life mm. I have to ask what did you learn by putting yourself second? Um, well, I learned that I can accept a lot of things, um, whether that be good or bad. I feel like I'm getting a little emotional. Um, I guess I learned how to survive um, with the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, 
emotionally anyway. Like um, I learned how to just push through um, and I guess be, Mm. I'm sending you so much love right now, Lee. I am. I'm like, oh my goodness. I wish I could just rub your back. It's okay. You got this, sis. <laughs> it, um, I don't know. In my, I guess in my longest relationship, I felt like once it ended, I think I realized that I wasn't whole, um, that I didn't know who I was. Um, so while I realized that I can give a lot of myself um, and I could be very supportive and I could I can certainly do the emotional work of in, in a relationship as far as like listening and being, you know, a good partner, um, at least what I understood it to be then. Um, I learned that, you know you can't be in a healthy relationship without giving, you know, a hundred percent of your true self. Mm. However, you know, difficult that might be. That's the word, you know, and I feel like some things just cost us so much. The emotional tax of putting yourself second is so high. Right. Um, You are incredible. Thank you so much for just being as, (laughs) you know, vulnerable and transparent as you are. You know, it sounds like you learned so much from that relationship and in letting go, you were able to receive what was truly designed for you. Mm -hmm. After doing, you know, your work, how did you go about looking for the one? And did you at any point discover that one that you were looking for was yourself? Mm -hmm. So, um, after, you know, after my, you know, that one long-term relationship I ended, I actually didn't want, I had no intentions on looking for anything. Um, the point when I realized that I wasn't a hundred percent sure, you know, who I, who I, um, who I was, who I wanted to be was, you know, right at the end or towards the end of that relationship. And that was right, you know, when, when things sort of, you know, fell apart Um, and trying to understand who I was and what I really wanted. I did a lot of sort of soul searching and that, you know, the idea that you can't, you know, you got to know yourself, but you got to be alone and learn who you are before you try to, you know, come into a relationship. That is 100% true because you have to understand what it is you're, you're bringing to the table, you know, what you need, um, how to be happy by yourself. Like all of those things actually matter because you cannot, you know, you have to bring your whole self into a relationship. You can't be confused about what you want or who you are um, and what you need. Um, so for me, it was more about doing that work and, and, you know, finding out, you know, understanding who I am, mm-hmm. what I wanted to be, um, what I needed, um, to be who I, who I wanted, who I was going to ultimately be in this world and in a relationship. Um, and so it wasn't about, you know, I feel like my husband and I, we, we kind of happened to, to each other. Mm. Uh, we, <laughs> I wasn't looking for him. He wasn't looking for me. Um, we just kind of, you know, 
the stars sort of aligned. Um, and, in, and it wasn't as if I, you know, sort of, you know, this relationship ended and I had to create, you know, you know, I have a goal of, you know, having a husband and this is what I need. For me, it was just, you know, I'm going to live my life and, you know, whether or not I find a husband, um, which wasn't a goal, honestly, dating wasn't even a goal at the time. I was just, you know, trying to pull my, put the pieces of myself in place. Mm. Um, but, you know, if I will say there was one thing that I know that I needed was for him to to be willing to hear me, to be willing to to listen to me and hear me and and understand me. Because I did a lot of, you know, I spent a lot of time not being heard and understood. Um, so I needed, if anything, someone who was interested in exploring, you know, who I was and, and helping who I wanted to be um, manifest. Mm. My goodness, the stars aligned. <laughs> you did your work, mm-hmm. you know, so that you could prepare yourself for, you know, what it was you didn't even realize you desired outside of that understanding and being heard, right? Mm-hmm. But how did you meet your husband? So my husband and I actually met um, in 2006. Um, we were we both worked for a company that had um, a training class that we both sat in. So while we weren't colleagues and that we saw each other every day, we worked for the same company and we met at that training. So um, we, we met way back then and we were just friends for a really long time, um, distant friends at that um, over the years. But to fast forward to 2014, when we started dating, um, it was kind of just time and place, you know, I, I had, my relationship had ended and he, um, his father was ill. Um, and he wanted to put together like a fundraising event for him. And he knew that I had some event planning experience. So he reached out to me to help with that. And that's how we sort of like reconnected. Look at your gifts making room for you. Okay. Look, <laughs> let me find out my husband is someone I need to write a story about. Okay. <laughs> that is so dope. So yeah. like God really puts y'all in the same room. And what is that? Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can do math. Eight years later, 2006 yeah. to 2014, eight years later, it happened. Yeah. What do they say? Great things take time. Yeah, man. <laughs> My goodness. That is right. What was that eight-year step like, right? Just mm-hmm. meeting them in 2006 and then all these years of, you know, touch and go, touch and go, and then boom, here it is, 2014, you're dating. I want to know what that's like. Give me the tea. Come on. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's interesting because over the – so. To, to tell the to tell the story the way you know he we met in um in my training class he, the seat next to him was the only available seat I was late I pulled up all late he's in there <laughs> the only free seat in the class is next to him so I sit sit next to him and I'm in a relationship at the time and he's you know he's cool he's attractive but I'm not even we're not even you know it's not that it's not that kind of party so I didn't, there was, I didn't want to talk to him. He was very loud. I'm very quiet. We're just, <laughs> I was just, was so not into him at all at the time. And 
But over the training, um, the course of the training, we got to be friendly, me, him, and another group of people, you know, a small group of people in, in the class. And when I left that job, um, I sent this old long email to everybody, the audacity to me, like this whole buck the system email. Hey. Be here, you can do better. <laughs> like I did the most on my way out. And in that email, um, I connected with him and the other people in our friend group, and we sort of stayed connected via email over the years. So it was really little stuff like happy birthday, you know, hope things are going well, and where you working at now. So it was just, you know, little, little um, pleasant emails over the years, sometimes text messages just to check in on everybody, see how we were doing. But it wasn't... Um, you know, it was very far but spread out. Like, you know, it'd be two months, uh, two years before we'd send an email to one another. Oh, then wow. we'd have a quick, you know, so yeah, he obviously was in relationships and, and <laughs> you know, we were we were all just doing our thing. Like it wasn't really on it wasn't on the agenda for us to speak. You know, every for us to date every now and again, he'd send like little hints that he may be interested, but they never, you know, um never manifested into anything but we were just kind of like distant friends over the years yeah and then in 2014 the stars aligned tell us more yeah (laughs) you know he's shy he's shy and I was you know my husband is is so interesting ladies let's 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 talk about these lists right yes so my husband if I had to pick a guy um my ideal was all you know would have been somebody like the men that I'm, you know, spending all of my time with, you know, so I'm from Queens, you know, Jamaica and all the, if you can, if you know anything about Jamaica Queens, you know what those guys are kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you got your, you know, your, your, <laughs> your champion hoodies and your Tims and, you know, I'm looking at guys, I'm spending most of my time with the guys that are a lot like, you know, met the man, you know, more so. Oh, he's than, so fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, not your, not Andre 3000, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> like, there's not a lot of those over here. And, um, you know, so I'm looking to say all that to say, like, I'm looking for a guy that's like, you know, a hood guy, you know, he, he, he's smart. I want him to be smart. I do want him to have a job, but for the most part, he looks a certain way. He acts a certain way. And that's just what, um, I can relate to. That's what I grew up around. My husband is such a nerd. (laughs) He is is from Long Island. Oh, wow. He's a real nerd. He is from Long Island. He is, you know, not in, you know, we, we have obviously common, you know, similarities in our relationship and in our personalities, but he is very different from anything that I've ever wanted to date. Um, he is a, he was a football star. I said, I'd never date an athlete because they're so, you know, full of themselves. And I just, he's just not what I would have wanted. Um, but anyway, we in in 2014 when we connected to do his father's um fundraiser um he kind of you know asked me on a date and we were like you know I'm like you know what you're not really what I be what I'm usually trying to do but whatever what I'm usually trying to do ain't been working so <laughs> let me do something different um so he he asked me out on a date and we did spend a lot of time together just playing the fundraiser as you know Lydia you know putting events together is very time consuming mm-hmm. especially when it gets down to the wire like I'm spending more time with him than I am with you know folks in my family and living in my house so 
we just ended up spending a lot of time together and some of those commonalities sort of, you know, became very obvious and we had a lot of time um, to learn about each other and, you know, sort of to get to like each other. And I saw that um, sort of developing into those, you know, those feelings sort of developing. Um, so I just let, I just allowed myself to, you know, let it happen and see where, see where it went. You let it happen and you all got to know one another. And one of the things you learned about him was that he had a child. Yes. Right. What was your natural reaction when you learned that he was a father? Um, And can you tell us um, more about what it was that you desired from a man? Like, did you want your guy to be child free? Was like that a non-negotiable at first or were you more okay with that? How did that work? So I actually found out that he had a child about a year, maybe a year before we started dating Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, we, you know, social media and we were um, associated through Instagram and I did see that he had a kid. And at the time, it didn't mean anything to me. We weren't dating. We weren't in a relationship, but it was, you know, I was like, okay, he has a kid. That's interesting. Um, But as we, as I started considering him um, as a partner it was it did give me pause because I you know the one thing I never wanted to do was to get into a relationship with um a man who had a child and it's just you know every I've never seen an instance of that in my life that was good um it was always turbulent you know like you mentioned earlier there's the baby mama drama and you know people fighting over the kids and you know I I'm very um as a I'm the only girl my father I have a brother and it's me and my dad and you know I'm a daddy's girl and I've been you know with him as he started dating and you know, I could, I was trouble for these women. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I can see know. that, though. You are, like, a tough cookie for real. Yeah, I was, I was you know, it was not, I, I did not make it easy. And I couldn't imagine someone, you know, a, a, a child in the equation, you know, making it difficult for me. And especially, to be quite honest, after my first, after my long-term relationship failed and it being partly because of my not feeling, you know, valued and important and, and, and number, you know, feeling, um, like I was, let's say number one, for example, um, it was, it was scary to get into a relationship with a man that had a child. Cause I felt like there was no way I could be. Mm. Um, and it was a lot of what I needed at that time. And it wasn't, necessarily something that was going to be forever like I eternally need to feel like I'm the most important thing in your life but coming out of the relationship that I came out of it was what I needed at that time mm-hmm. and for me it was like there's no way that he can give me that when he has a child because this person has to be number one always um so it did give me great pause um to find out you know to to know that he had a kid and that he wanted to you know develop a relationship with me because I didn't understand where that was going to put me mm. uh, and what that would look like. That, um, that is mm-hmm. so real. That is such a huge reservation for so many women. Yeah. You know, thinking about sitcoms, I remember vividly watching the game and what it was like when Melanie was in a relationship with Darwin or Derwin, whatever his name was. Derwin. Yes, Derwin mm-hmm. at the time. 
and he had a child while mm-hmm. they weren't together or he had a baby on her or something like that. And yeah. it was wild. And I just remember as like a teenage girl, what that would feel like as an adult woman. I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of the reasons why I would never da 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 right? Mm-hmm. Little grown Lydia, right? <laughs> but I most definitely still have those kinds of reservations. I'm just like, I Mm -hmm. do want to be first. And I think it's because of the way that I've been so strategic in my dealings Mm -hmm. with men. I'm like, so if we not in this and that, then hmm, right. Mm -hmm. But that's a very real thing. I mean, I too um, was someone stepdaughter, really, Mm -hmm. but not really, but really, but not really. Um, mm. It wasn't like the most <laughs> copacetic relationship. So I'm like, was right. I really a stepchild or not? But I remember <laughs> meeting this woman for the first time and we got hit with a lot of news at one time, just given, you know, how some parents do. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, I ain't really feeling this. Mm-hmm. And I remember just not being too keen to the situation. And I know how I am. I'm very complex at times some people will just call me difficult um i agree with that (laughs) but i feel it it's just like and with little girls especially there is something about little girls like i feel like you know boys are a little bit more passive and this and that Mm -hmm. but there is something innate within us no matter how old we are to kind of challenge yes challenge women and i feel like little girls really i don't know what it is in little girls but they love challenging older women Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, uh, we finna, uh, you know, boss up, let's see what's up, <laughs> but I could only imagine, you know, so as you began to date, you know, your, your husband, then boyfriend at the time, and, you know, his child was also, of course, in the picture, what was that like? And how did, you know, that really shape you relationally? Um, so for me, I just, I wanted to be, well, let me just first say, like, I, I do have a stepmother, like I am a stepchild. And I think a lot of how I navigated the relationship um, came from me sort of watching how my stepmother managed my relationship with her. Mm. So, so a, a lot of it was just how I handle people in general, um, especially in situations where I feel like we, you know, is is to some degree competitive not that i you know a, a two-year-old is competing against me or vice versa <laughs> but in, in in some instances we're both sort of you know vying for the attention of the same man um and we have to for me i wanted to always understand and be respectful of the fact that you know before she was here before me and she has a relationship that's very different than mine. And I wanted to be respectful of that and and understanding of that and give her, you know, give her her dad when she wanted her dad. Like, I don't want to be this person in the relationship that's now taking him away from her. Mm. Um, And so whenever we would spend time with, um, with my, my stepdaughter, I would always make sure that everything was the same for her. Like, you know, if we spent, if I spend the night with him and she normally sleeps with him, she's going to sleep with him still, you know, and I wanted everything to be normal for her. Like I didn't want her to end up feeling displaced in a relationship. Um, and that was really important for me. Um, even though, yes, I want to be with him and I want to spend time with him. Like I wanted to make it very clear that, I'm here, but you're still the same. You're everything is going to be the same for you. You're still his daughter. You're still, you know, he still loves you. 
you know, I didn't want her to feel, you know, because I feel like that's where some of the animosity and stuff starts to breed itself. Like when I come in and now things have to change for you, like I'm taking up the spot that used to be for yours. And now you don't like me. Now we're having issues with one another. Mm-hmm. So part of me, for me, it was a little it was strategic. And part of the strategy, I guess, was to try and, you know, keep and make her feel comfortable um, that things w- will be the same um, for her. Um, and then part of the work, I felt like a lot of it anyway, was, was on her father's side. Mm -hmm. Um, because I felt like it, it's up to the father, um, in the relationship or, you know, the boyfriend or whatever in the relationship to create that balance. Um, because I can only like, I'm coming into this relationship and I can control how I manage you and how you manage her, but I can't control how he makes me feel like, and he needed to be able to, you know, bring me into this relationship and make me feel important and make me feel like, you know, I'm number one. And at the same time, make his daughter feel like she's valued and important. And I guess also number one and find a place and find a way to do that um, to try to make us both happy. Uh, and, and, you know, it was more juggling on, on his part than mine. Um, mine was more, my feeling was that I just needed to make sure that, you know, I'm not giving this, this child reasons to, um, to feel um, unimportant and left out and distant. Like her life is changing. Like that's all I wanted to do. And, I didn't want to, you know, be a second mom to her. Like I wanted to, you know, let her know that I was her friend, you know, and, you know, I'm building this relationship with her father the same way I'm building a relationship with her. So I didn't approach it as if I was trying to, you know, I'm, I'm a bonus mom or I'm mom number two or anything of that nature. Like going into it, it was just, you know, I'm your friend, Elise, and I'm dating your dad. Wow. That is so mature of you. Mm. <laughs> y'all Elise is not 80 years old um and when you know you connect with her online afterward after listening to this you most definitely will see her she's bad and bougie oh, and yeah. um <laughs> but she is a millennial young woman mm-hmm. she is a professional she is very beautiful smart you know intelligent and I mean if I was her her bonus child her stepchild I'd be bragging right um and you know it's so it is really so I'm lost for words right just listening to you speak about the relationship with him and his daughter your daughter Mm -hmm. um the way you do because as millennials we grew up in the baby mama baby daddy era for real like that was birth when we were children mm-hmm. and never before um, the nineties was anyone referred to as a baby mama or a baby daddy. I still remember that song. Call my mama. Call your that, like, yeah. that, that stupid, <laughs> stupid song change. That really took a toll on the black community in mm-hmm. the way that we perceive one another, the way that we engage with one another and just, 
so so many di- different things at so many different levels, right? So to hear mm-hmm. a woman of your caliber speak so highly about how you were able to navigate the relationship with both him and now both of you all's daughter is so beautiful. I don't think that a lot of women go into relationships or men go into relationships with that level of thinking. It's always mm-hmm. like the natural, I see, I'm not finna deal with this, but nobody's baby mama, yeah. nobody's baby daddy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so who are you in a relationship with? Is it right. the parent um, that you are in a relationship with? Or is it the mother or father of the child who you aren't in a relationship with? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how comfortable you feel, you know, commenting on that. But mm-hmm. if at all, without, you know, you know, we know, right? Right, um, right. I'm, I'm like trying to be as careful as possible here. If my right. listeners are probably like, just ask, dang. Just but, right? but how have you been able to navigate that um, and stay on course in your relationship? So, so, you know, people who share the same position in life that I'm in, you know, the, the bonus mom, a stepmom, et cetera, may feel very, you know, I feel like we're, it's polarized around this issue about how you should interact with the other parent. Um, my, I can't even, you know, I don't even want to say that this has been my approach um, because I don't, I, I don't feel like I've had much of a choice in the matter, but where my, my daughter's mother sounds crazy to say my son's <laughs> daughter, <laughs> it is my what son's it is. daughter just to just to make it clear she's like your daughter's mom just hold up but no my stepdaughter's mother um and I don't really interact with each other at all um and I don't know if it's good or bad um for our relationship be because um there are times when I feel like you know, there are instances where I feel like it would be good if we were speaking, if we spoke at all, because it would help resolve this issue quicker. Or, you know, it's probably good that we don't talk because, you know, it's my husband is sort of the go between. And, you know, maybe that's how it should be. But she and I, um, you know, we've met um, formally. um at, we met for the first time at my daughter at her birthday party, I think when she turned maybe five. Um, and that was two years into my relationship. Um, so we didn't, um, I don't know if there was just a general sense, lack of urgency around meeting her. I, you know, for me, I think I would probably want to meet the person that would be spending so much time with my kid sooner. Um, but, you know, Everybody has their reasons for the things that they do, but um, no one, I guess, felt like it was it was uh, urgent for that to happen. So we met relatively, you know, for me, relatively late in our relationship, and we only speak when we see each other. You know, so if during my my stepdaughter has a you know dance recital or graduation or you know whatever, we will see each other, and it's cordial. Um, and we don't, but, but other than that, we don't speak. Um, if I need, you know, if there's a question that I have for her, which is very rare, like, you know, is it okay for me to braid, you know, my stepdaughter's hair, you know, things like that, I'll, that my husband, you know, manages those messages. Like, um, I do have her number. I don't use it. 
Um, we're not connected on social. Um, we have very, very, very little interaction with one another. And, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some issues that occasionally <laughs> arise. Um, but it's, I, it's largely around, you know, things that are, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be like PC. Um, we, we don't have a lot of issues or, or any really that relates, you know, to journey. Um, that's my stepdaughter's name. Um, directly. We just, you know, my husband pretty much does all the communicating with her and, you know, we're over here. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sure me saying that's beautiful is easier than what mm-hmm. it is at times. But, you know, I say sure. that out of respect to, you know, your relationship and the secrecy of that with your husband and your stepdaughter. And, of course, the form of relationship that you are in, even though you're mm-hmm. not in relationship with mm-hmm. um, her mother. You know, peace and um, respect are so important. Yeah. I could imagine, yeah. especially when dealing with someone else, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You are wife and mm-hmm. your stepdaughter is daughter and your husband is husband. So that's it. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to know how has having, you know, this, this young lady, this little girl in your life blessed you and you in your relationship? Um, I will say this interestingly enough, because, um, while I didn't, I never wanted to be in a relationship with a guy who had a daughter. I will say that him having her um, and seeing him with her is one of the reasons that kept, one of the things that kept us together. Mm-hmm. It's what made him really. Um, it's what made me realize that he was capable of being what I needed him to be. Um, interestingly, because. I could see, you know, the compassion, you know, his emotional intelligence um, when he, you know, the way he interacts with her. You know, he's so vulnerable and so present um, and so attentive to her needs. Um, it was it was being able to see him in that space made me realize that he would be he could be the things that I needed him to be. Like, it's one thing when you're, you know someone is saying like, I'm, I'm able to be like, I can be those things and you never have to, you know, you haven't gotten to a point where they have to show you that. So you don't really know for sure, but seeing him with her, um, helped me to sort of check off those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she, she's a phenomenal kid. Um, she just, she's just really a great kid. And, having her around and sort of being able to see her interact with her father, you know, having her with me and, you know, watching me and, you know, asking me questions, it's helped me sort of understand, you know, the role that I would play in a child's life. Like, you know, it helps me to understand, like, how what I do shapes who they are, um, how it influences them, you know? So it, I feel like it makes me having her around has made me, um, it's forced me to do more of the things that I want to do and, and be more of the person who I want to be, because, you know, you feel like I have 
this person watching me. So I can't talk about being strong and not be strong. You know, I can't talk about being confident and not be confident because kids, they, they're watching and they're going to call you on it. Yeah. You know, like they're going <laughs> to, you know, you can't, so you, you got to practice what you preach around kids and more so it's important for them to see, you know, you do a thing that you want them to do rather than to hear you say it. So, having her around it's for me it's helped me mature as a woman um it's helps I feel like it's helped me prepare for you know having a child and you know what I want that child to 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 be and you know how I want my relationship with that child to be so it, it you know it's just helped me in a lot of ways become more mature and a better woman I love that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to ask, as a woman, how has the experience of following your heart and going for, you know, what you desire, despite it not being ideal, shaped Mm -hmm. you? Oh, I feel like I've just learned that you think you know what's good for you, Mm -hmm. um, but you, you don't always. Like, and for me, you know, it's, instead of you know like go for what you know it's more like go for what you feel Mm. you know um because I this situation has not in any way you know been um it has not mirrored um or looked at all like I would have thought my relationship and my life would look like um but it has been an absolute blessing like Um, and it's all because, you know, I just went with what felt right. Um, and, you know, to some extent, um, I don't think, I think it's important not to compromise, but you got to make sure that the things that you're not willing to compromise on are things that are worth holding as stringently to. So, because, you know, don't compromise on how someone makes you feel right. But maybe compromise a little bit on how much, you know, what he does for a living, you know, is that really important? Like the things that are non-negotiables should really be things that matter a lot in the end. Um, and not, you know, not so much just our ideals for you because, you know, I always think of, when I think of my relationship, I think of that Lauren Hill, you know, what you want might make you cry, but what you need might pass you by. Mm. And what you need ironically would turn out what you want it to be if you just let it. Like, that's how I feel about my relationship because it's so much of what I needed, but it's very little of what I thought I wanted. Um, and it turns out to be exactly, you know, both, both what I want and need because, you, you know, you let it, you, I let it grow. I let it manifest. Mm. Honey. Okay, let me tell you something. You are not going to read out the book of Lauren Hill this afternoon <laughs> and then just drop these gems. It is, I, my mind is is blown. I think that, for, I'll speak for myself, okay? I'm not going to speak uh-huh. for anyone else. When I look back on the decisions I've made and the decisions I did not make relationally and where mm-hmm. I am, I am not disgruntled at all. But Mm -hmm. I wish that I would have heard you say that years ago. Maybe when I was in Mm -hmm. college, I remember Mm -hmm. so many people 
mentors, especially saying like, so are you working on the relationship part? You always doing some personal uh, or professional development. Are you thinking about the relationship? So what do you want? And X, Y, and Z. And they sounded like recorders. And I'm using a sarcastic tone because mm-hmm. I didn't value that in, you know, my earlier years, like my early twenties, I was just like, I need to be so focused on X, Y, and Z because I know what I don't want. I don't want it to this, that, and blah, 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 blah. And I spent so time, so much time, excuse me, focusing on what I didn't want that I wasn't open to what could have possibly Mm -hmm. been, Mm -hmm. you know, if not right in front of me, around me. So you saying mm-hmm. that right now, it, it just checks my heart posture because mm. I'm just like, whoo, wait, okay. I <laughs> said that. I mean, maybe I did because I probably sang it, but I wasn't thinking about it. Okay. Look, when I tell you that Elise is so hip hop, it just makes no sense. <laughs> like clearly. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to stop being so trap music sometimes and just actually listen to the words clearly because it'll change my life. <laughs> you look, you and oh. Lauren Hill right now. Okay. Welcome to oh the Get My, my Life God. Tour. Clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of that being said, what advice do you have for women who might have a list, right? And find love that doesn't necessarily meet their criteria. Whew. Um, you know, I'm not one to, you know, for advising women not to, you know, set goals for themselves and to, you know, stray, you know, off those, you know, veer away from those plans. But I will say this from my personal experience. Um, you first, you gotta, you gotta know, be very clear about who you are and what you're bringing to the table and what the, the characteristics that you have for, for your, for your mate, your soulmate on that list, how well they speak to who you are um, and what, in and what you actually need, because, you know, if those things that you're looking for are based on ideals, um, you don't, you need to be sure that, in addition to being ideal, that they're realistic. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you want to make sure that, you know, you're not so bent, you're not so hell bent on finding, you know, checking all these boxes that you're missing the, the critical pieces and the critical parts of relationship or, or, or a mate, the critical aspects of that person that are going to speak to you and that are going to, you know, help, flourish you know help your relationship flourish and also realize that you know you are about you're evolving like all of your you know relationships um in life romantic and otherwise are are affecting you and you're changing so how often do you revisit that list like are you updating it like you know are you flexible in any way like you want to just make sure you know by all means you know, have your goal, have your, the things that are absolutely critical for your man to be and achieve, but then also, you know, reflect on, you know, what, what those, what that means to you and, and, and how it's going to impact your relationship. If maybe they don't have, you know, these key elements and, you know, be open to something different. Um, be open to writing new, new new things on your list. Be open to taking some off because, you know, nobody's perfect, but it's not to say that your relationship can't be. Um, and it takes work. 
so you guys are going to grow together. And maybe if there's things on the list that he doesn't have, you can help him achieve those things. Um, so maybe he ate, he doesn't earn what you want him to earn. Or maybe, you know, he's not, you know, as smart as you would like him to be. But those are things that you go, you all can grow to together. Like so many women are looking for a complete part. They want and like granted, you should know who you are and be solid in that. But. There's nothing wrong with growing together. In fact, you should want to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that, you know, my husband was lacking in coming into the relationship, but we can build those things together um, and be open to that. You know, so by all means, have a list, but let that be just, you know, for reference That's <laughs> and good. not necessarily the Bible. That is that is so good. Okay. What was the most rewarding experience you've had? Or can you think of like something that was unimaginable for you, but you've been able to experience because you went for it? Uh, um, again, like I, I mentioned earlier, I'd never, um, I didn't spend a lot of time as a, as a young girl envisioning, you know, being married, my wedding. Like when I, when I got married and was planning, when I was planning my wedding and, and got married, like that whole time in my life was just a, like a period of discovery. Like I never thought about a dress or a venue or none of that. Like it was never part of, you know, my life as a kid. Um, it wasn't, it, it just didn't spend a lot of time envisioning myself doing all that. And, you know, to, to, now being a wife and being married and experiencing um, that relationship, it's just, to me, has been one of the most life-changing, you know, things that I've ever been a part of. Like, it's just changed it. You know, a lot of people say a marriage is just it's a piece of paper, it's just vows and all these things. But it really, for me, has changed the, changed the way my relationship exists. Like, uh, I feel like, you know we're so much more of a team. We're so much more, um, and even though, again, it is, you know, we could separate and get divorced at any time, but, you know, it changes the mindset of the relationship because for me, it feels like forever. So we're may, we're way more, um, willing to talk about things. We're, we're always looking for the resolution of, of some issue because, you know, when you're thinking about it as a forever thing, there's no, there's no room for not getting to a point of closure, not, you know, not finding common ground. Like we, everything is a we thing, you know, it's about working together. It's about longevity. So it changed the structure of our relationship in a way where, you know, it's, it's the ultimate security for, for me in a, in, 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 in the relationship, because I feel like you you've committed to me mm-hmm. in a way that no other person has committed to me. And now I feel secure. Now I can let, let everything go and I can rely on you in a way that I've never relied on anyone else. I can be vulnerable in a way that I've never been vulnerable. And I can, and I know that I'm supported in a way that I've never been supported. And it's a, it truly made us unified um, in a way that I feel like I've never experienced. So being married for me has, is just been the most amazing experience, um, I've had in, in a relationship and it's definitely changed my life and how I look at, um, you know, 
look at relationships and, you know, communication and within relationships and, you know, the responsibilities of, you know, each individual in a relationship. So that is so dope. And how long have you been married? How many years has it been? <laughs> um, a very, very long one year. No, I'm joking. It's been, <laughs> we've only, we married in, in, to 2017 november so we come we're coming up on two years yes okay happy anniversary in advance yeah thank you and i can't help but to think about um a conversation that a couple was having it it was a black couple a celebrity couple i can't remember who it was um but i believe it was on during like a feature on black love doc um but the person was talking about the process of being in love Mm-hmm. And um, they talked about it, you know, as it relates to just being a journey. Like when you're in love, so many things happen. So mm-hmm. you don't just say, oh, I love you. And that's it. When you're mm-hmm. in love, it's like this beautiful journey of ups and downs and trial and tribulation, falling in love over and over and over again. I am so excited for you. Two years in. Look at you. Out here dropping major gems, <laughs> out here helping other people get their lives um, and change their perspective on how they may see something relationally. You most definitely have challenged me to think about what it is that I say I want, what it is that I'm prepared for, and what it is that I need. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we go into so much with just rose glasses on. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, or I'm not dealing with this or that. And it's like, if you just open yourself to experiencing what it is that you aren't certain about or just the unknown in general, yeah. there may be something that is there designed just for you. And I'm so excited that this relationship is designed just for you. Like you are married, you are in love, you are a mother and you know, you went for it. That mm-hmm. look, at least I'm over here smiling yeah. ear to ear. <laughs> okay. So, you know, every stop on the tour, we have a mic drop moment and I have to ask you, and you can think about it for a second, mm-hmm. but Given the nature of everything we talked about, what is your mic drop moment on this stop of the tour? Trust, trust your heart. Um, trust your heart and lead with love and you will not, you will not fail. You know, I love asking people what their mic drop moment is because, and I know you're not really supposed to talk after the mic drop moment, but it's a podcast. So I'm going to just do what I want because it's mine. <laughs> but some people don't lead with love. Right. And let me tell you, baby girl, people don't love themselves. So it's hard mm-hmm. for them to lead with love. It's mm-hmm. like you just beyond going to, you know, spaces looking for love in the wrong places and all that other jazz that's like so poetic mm-hmm. and melodic. Like you just, if you don't love yourself, there's no way that you can lead with love. You can always be mm-hmm. in search of it. But if you don't love yourself, it's kind of impossible to do that. So that is perfect um, that you dropped the mic that way. You know, we've spoken about so much. We went from hip hop and your journey as an entrepreneur to the process of you getting back to who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, your journey in 
your relationship before, you know, the stars aligned and you met who would become your husband, (laughs) even though you didn't Mm -hmm. think of him that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And your bonus daughter, your stepdaughter and how that shaped you relationally and just your journey as a woman. You have shared so much. And I just want to thank you so much for being so transparent and being so willing to help us as we get our lives. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a terrific experience and I really do appreciate it. You are so welcome. Now there are going to be people who want to check out both of your brands, following you on Instagram, purchase, you know, some apparel, tell people how they can get connected with you. Yeah. So my, um, Apparel, the Instagram is 1.30.first, that's 131st, and Hype Girl Threads um, on Instagram, and I am at Lisi Pharrell, L-Y-S-S-Y, for real, Um, and that's where you can find me on Instagram, um, and links to websites all available there. Awesome. Y'all. When I tell you, when you when you connect with her, you most definitely are going to get your life. Um, <laughs> you know how to connect with me at Lydia T. Blanco at the Get My Life Tour on all social platforms. Be sure to join our Facebook community, the Get My Life Tour backstage. That's where we huddle. We get our lives as we prepare for, you know, that moment where we take center stage. Elise, I am so glad that you showed up for this stop on the tour that you took center stage and that so many people are going to hear from you. Shout out to our international audience, a little toot toot to my horn there, but um, I'm so glad that they are going to hear from you. And once you listen to this episode with Elise, be sure to connect with us and engage with us. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know what you took away. She dropped Mm -hmm. the mic. mic. She dropped so many gems. And you know what? This has been incredible. So thank you again. And I cannot wait to just like run up to you and hug you (laughs) until you're like, get off me. (laughs) Because this was awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you you so much for tuning in to the Get My Life Tour. It has been real. And I will see you on the next stop. Peace. Mm -hmm.